All right. Thank you guys for listening. Welcome to the Freaking Epic Podcast. If you're listening, thank you for not listening. If you're not listening, because I'm sure you're doing delightful stuff for the world that is just far more important than this. And if you are, like you're curing cancer, you are being a birthday party clown for... Actually, never mind. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe inappropriate, given that today's movie is The Joker. We are looking over The Joker. We just watched the trailer. Actually, he cheated. Uh, My co-host is... Nathan Farrell. I'm right here in Iowa, and I just watched The Joker trailer for the second time. I originally watched it, well, when it first came out, because I religiously watched trailers, so... (laughs) Which is why we're doing the show with him. Uh, I do. I don't religiously watch trailers. I actually, uh, I love trailers, but I just never think about watching them for some reason. I watch trailers almost every day of my entire life, and I watch the trailer for almost everything that's ever getting. Wow! So that's impressive. So, so like, it was. It's like brushing my. T- it's like brushing your teeth. It's something that you just do every day. <laughs> oh, are you supposed to do that? Maybe that's why I'm going to the dentist so often. Yeah. yeah. No, no, so, I'm just kidding. I do, I do brush my teeth every day, except today because my tooth got pulled, and I don't want to, you know, bloody my mouth up. Indeed. So, um, what is your first thoughts about this uh, Joker trailer that we just watched? Okay, I just watched it like three minutes ago, and so my first thoughts are, wow, I actually got cold chills watching it. It freaked me out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it it looks I like I like kind of the throwback seventies vibe. Yep. If you if you notice like um a lot of the a lot of different movies are kind of doing this throwback vibe. So Stranger Things had a kind of a throwback nineties vibe. Um yes. my favorite uh my favorite Marvel movie is Civil War. Or I'm sorry, not Civil War, but um uh Winter Soldier, and that's kind of got a, a little bit of a throwback seventies vibe to it as well. Yeah. Uh, the conspiracy this kind of movie. Yeah, yep. this kind of seems more like a throwback New York style movie, like uh, like a lot of people online have mentioned, uh, like Martin Scorsese type film. Yeah, that's the that's the thing I can't get my thumb on. I'm I'm just trying to grasp like what kind of movie is this? Because in my in my fantasy world, I would love to see kind of a Breaking Bad style Joker, where um, you see some background story and and he is essentially an antihero. So, um, you know, antiheroes are huge and popular these days, but, um, you mean antihero in the movie, not because Joker generally is just an actual villain. Yes. He's an actual villain. So but you want to see him kind of slowly become. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in a way, of course, of course he's a villain, but he does in this movie, it looks like he's not starting as the villain. And I counted, I actually kept track this time. There are four times when he either gets pushed and falls down or gets hit by a car or is falling down the stairs. So I'm like, how many times does Joaquin Phoenix get pushed or um, pushed down in this movie? He kind of seems like a mama's boy. He's been bullied a little bit. Yeah. Well, maybe it's also kind of a little bit of a social commentary, like, you know, the man's always pushing you down, get over, you know. And just like this is what happens when the man pushes someone down enough, they snap. Right. Yes. Um, yep. What did you think about the shot in the middle? Uh, it looked like he was actually um, kind of a got a job. I, I, I would guess unwillingly, uh, or so, you know, like last 
last chance desperation job. It looked like he got a job as an orderly in a mental hospital. Huh? Yeah. There's a couple things that he, he's spinning a sign. He is a stand-up comedian. I've heard in this yeah. movie. Um, yeah. And as the orderly, that is, that's definitely a creepy job to, for the Joker to have. So, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. it makes a lot of sense because the Joker is basically a sane person choosing to be a mental patient. Like yeah. that's kind of the creepiness of him is he's got all his facilities, but he's choosing all these completely irrational things just for his own sanity or joy or yeah. something. Yep. So I have, yeah, it, it could be interesting. I, I'm interested to see the direction that it goes. Although I hate to bring up the elephant in the room. I, the whole time just thought about how superior Heath Ledger was <laughs> as the Joker. Um, <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I actually really love Joaquin Phoenix. He's one of my favorite actors, and I think he's yeah. brilliant. Um, he's played everyone from uh, Jesus to now the Joker to uh, let's see in Walk the Line. Um, he yeah. he played uh, Johnny Cash, and then uh, he in her. I liked him in her. I liked him in uh, in Signs, and so he's really a great actor. I just isn't isn't he the same guy who like had a two, kind of a a two-year public meltdown that turned out to be a really bad attempt at viral marketing for a film. I think, I think so. Yeah. That was, that was really confusing. I'm glad that he's back. So. Yeah. Glad that he's back. Well, okay. So I was uh, looking at the uh, IMDb, uh, the IMDb trivia page, and yeah. it actually said that um, he wound up losing so much weight for this movie that he act that uh, the director for a lot of the filming uh, could just do once, couldn't do reshoots. So, like the the director had to rewrite the script constantly during production. Wow, did not hear that. Yeah, um, like that's that's kind of crazy. I mean, it kind of speaks to his commitment, but that's also you know the level of commitment that a lot of Joker actors have had. I mean, Heath Ledger. Uh, you know, he literally drove himself insane. Just... Yeah, he literally lost himself in that role. Yeah. So he literally lost his sanity. I mean, he basically yeah. locked himself in a hotel for a month or two, just spending every day thinking, what if I was the kind of person who thought AIDS was hilarious? Yeah. Like, not just like an AIDS joke, but just AIDS. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I'm. I'm curious, you know, the, one of the great things that I loved about Heath Ledger's Joker is that they were very elusive with his background story. Yeah, I really said, liked that. He said, you know, you know how he got these scars. He has different stories for how he got the scars. Yeah. And now, now they're kind of they're kind of ruining it almost by, well, like here's here's the the origin story of the Joker. Well, that was that was what made the Joker so terrifying is because you don't know. He's so unpredictable and such a wild card. And now they're kind of showing his, uh, his beginnings and stuff. So I hope it's done. Yeah. Tastefully. Um, I look, I at, think uh, that there's probably a 75% chance that it kind of, it doesn't ruin the, the character, but it does kind of permanently lower them down a peg because yeah. I mean, Wolverine was probably the most popular Marvel character for a long time. Until they gave him, they eventually gave him an origin story in the early uh, early two thousands, yeah. and then since then he's still really popular. But he's lost. I mean, granted, the MCU came out around the time that they 
um, introduced him. So part of his part of his uh, kind of slide might be like uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man going up the charts and and different things like that. But it seems like since they explained Wolverine's origin, he's just he's lost a little touch of the magic. So I, I do worry about that as well. Yeah. Yeah, the whole appeal to the Joker is, the, is how mysterious, and you don't really know yeah. um, anything about him. And so, that was yeah. that was legitimately one of the most brilliant things they did in Dark Knight. Just giving him—I think it was only twice—but giving him completely different origin stories, so you just know that this guy, you you don't know what the heck his his thoughts are. Yeah, it's unclear what his motivations are, and that makes him scarier. So yeah, so I'll um, think. I think I'll think about this movie as, um, an, as a as a movie, and it'll as kind of um, a, a, a cinematic representation of his origins. So not the official origins, but kind of a what if movie. Yeah. Because if I think about it like that, then I think, then I yeah. think it makes more sense because they already kind of uh, Heath Ledger's Joker did have kind of an implied origin story if you read between the lines which is that he was basically a soldier in Afghanistan, uh, kind of a, a demolitions expert, like a bomb expert, who mm-hmm. got kind of left behind by by the U.S. government and maybe his men and just kind of lost it. Yeah. Like, it's kind of a lightly implied uh, in The Dark Knight. Yeah. So, let, hey, let's talk about uh, the director, Todd Phillips. Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about. That's such a... Such an interesting choice to me. Yeah. Uh, so he's, so done, he's done some comedies. He's done, he's done all comedies. Yeah. Um, so he did yeah, Road Trip, Old School, Starsky and Hutch, yeah. School for Scoundrels, The Hangover, One, Two, and Three, Due Date. Yeah. yeah. Like he's he's a he's a he's a comedy director. Um, you know what is interesting though is Old School was originally written as uh, what if we remade Fight Club as a comedy. Oh, really? Yeah, that's kind of the secret origin of it. And so, and the Hangover movies have some kind of like, uh, I mean, kind of like thriller-like aspects to them because they've got kind of the whole little bit of a mystery going on, a little bit of action, you know, crazy person in a a crazy naked person in a trunk kind of thing. and yeah. So I think that I think that there's definite possibility that that works out well because a he's a good director and that kind of works in your favor when you're yeah well here's what I hope happened I hope um, Todd Phillips went to Warner Brothers and said hey I've got this Joker script I've been working on forever and I really like it please let me make this movie um, the alternate uh, the other way around of them saying hey we got a Joker movie we we want to make can you make it. Um, I hope that wasn't the case because I think it'll be it'll be a poor film for that. But um, yeah, but so, yeah, it's funny looking at uh, um, <laughs> Borat <laughs> cultural learnings of America for make benefit glorious nation of Kazakhstan. <laughs> so <laughs> that's like the is whole he, joke of, of is us. he on that? Uh, yeah, he he was a screenwriter for Borat. Oh what? Oh wow! I didn't I didn't look at his screenwriting tra- uh, credits. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess Borat is basically a non psychotic version. He's basically an accidental Joker. Yeah. Like, 
if Borat would actually be a terror if Borat became the Joker, just just like that was the natural progression of that movie, that yeah. would be hilarious. Yeah. So what my hope is that Todd Phillips has an enormous amount of creative freedom with the movie, but I don't believe that's true because WB's not for, known for that. That's a huge IP for Warner Brothers, so yeah, and and uh, WB is not really like particularly famous for giving their directors a ton of a ton of creative freedom. I mean, they're they're not like known for stifling them either, but they're kind of they're kind of a middle of the road corporate, uh, yeah, you know, uh, if, uh, company. Um, did you see who the, the who the uh, co writer is? Because there was there were uh, two screenwriters. Uh, I clicked on him. I can't remember his name though. What does he do? Uh, his name is Scott Silver. He hasn't done too much. The things you would know him for is he did. Uh, he he wrote Eight Mile and he did the screenplay for The Fighter. Um, okay. Which I, did you see The Fighter? Yeah, darn good movie. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of a good matchup because The Fighter was a good, a very good kind of drama action. Um, and I thought it would kind of mesh up well with uh, Todd Phillips' uh, style. Sure. Like they both have kind of a, a little bit of a kind of a grittier style because even, I mean, Todd Phillips' comedies are all kind of gritty comedies to some degree. Not like super gritty, but, you yeah. know, more than more than the average comedy uh, person. And they're actually also working on another movie together. So it's interesting to think, Either they worked really well and the studio put them together again, or possibly they have recently become kind of writing partners, something like that. Yeah. Um, the The project they're working on is an untitled Hulk Hogan biopic. Hmm. The one with Chris Hemsworth playing, uh, oh, playing really? Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so they are working together in some fashion. So that's kind of an interesting uh, thought going forward is, you know, which yeah. came first, chicken or the egg, whether, well, did they start working together and then work on Joker or did Joker working on Joker go so well that they yeah. conti- wanted to continue working together? It is to my, to my idea, it is a, it is a slightly good sign. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, we should start adding to our, as a segment of our, of our podcast is yeah let's take a take a swipe at um maybe predict the tomato meter score for the joker okay okay so we're uh, let's do let's predict the uh tomato meter and um critic and uh and user and then also predict kind of the uh the gen the box office as well okay um so uh, you go first. I have to think. Okay, I'm gonna shoot from the gut here. Uh huh. I'm gonna say that uh, the tomato meter will be a very safe seventy-five percent. Okay. Um. So I think uh, Warner Brothers is not gambling on. They're not shooting for the moon or anything. They're not taking a huge risk. They're yeah. hiring a proven director and a proven lead, and I think it'll get seventy-five percent. I think it'll make um. Two hundred million dollars, maybe. Uh, domestic. Yeah. So, and I think the audience score will be in the eighties. So that's my gut. Okay. Okay. 
Um, so my thought on that is there's kind of two factors moving back and forth. And that is that superhero movies generally get higher audience scores than critic scores. Yeah. Um, however, dramas like dramas about sad people almost always get 20% higher in the critics than the users. Um, so I kind of like your idea that it'll match meet in the middle. Um, the budget for Joker was 55 million, which, oh, wow. which concerns me because that means they really didn't want to commit to it. I think it'll probably be a better movie for that, but it also worries me that they didn't like the script enough to really commit. That is um, cheap. Yeah, that's, that's a really, that's really cheap. So that mean on the one hand, that means that they didn't run a commit to it. On the other hand though, that means that they have to make it work through drama alone. So nice. I, I think I'm, I'm kind of split. I think it's going to be, so I think it's going to be 60% or 85%. And I think we'll get, we'll get a pretty, it'll be 60% uh, for both the audience and the critics or 60 or 85% or so for okay. the, um, for both, because I'm guessing that the, um, the drama factor, the sad people drama factor, tragedy drama factor, and the um, fanboy effect will kind of balance each other out. Yeah. Um, and I think there's, I think there's about a five percent chance that it gets like ninety-seven percent and is hailed as a classic. Yeah, but, I'd be thrilled if it was that, but I'm gonna say no. I, I think I don't know. I don't think it will, but I just, it's the trailer was ambiguous enough that it could go. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think it's gonna suck horribly. I think worst case scenario it'll be you know mid fifties, sixty or so, yeah, uh, percent. And then I'm, it's going to get a worldwide distribution. So I think, I think I would guess that you're probably, you're probably right. Um, that it gets, it depends. I haven't seen like a ton of advertising. Um, it's number one on IMDb right now and it's not, um, so the release date is October uh, 19th, I believe, Uh. which is uh, again, a weird a weird release date like that's that's a release date that doesn't it doesn't say that you are um expecting a whole lot but it is you know but it's not september it's not you're not dumping it in september where you know where you're pretty sure it's gonna fail you're dumping it in october right at the beginning of award season and right at right when you would right when all the horror movies come out Right. So I'm guessing they're kind of trying to do like a slightly counter programming thing on it, like to counter program the, uh, the horror movies. So yeah. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go, um, kind of middle, middle of the road and go 180 domestic. And I don't know that the Joker is going to be super popular overseas. So I'm going to go maybe a total, total box office of about 400 million, okay. but that'll still be, that'll still be like, if you if you make four hundred million total on a fifty five million production budget, then that's a that's still a two hundred thousand dollar profit uh, after all the um, advertising and prints and theater shares of revenues and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's I'm guessing it's a big enough profit that they start looking at other characters to kind of do um, smaller budget 
movies yeah, did, versus. Did you see that on... Alfred? Alfred is getting a TV show, I think. Ah, that's cool. Is it going to be funny? That's my question. Because Alfred uh, in the comics is actually a really fun, dude. I don't think it will be. Um, so, yeah, there's that. And then I don't know if you saw um, the reviews for Hellboy that are out. It's at 11. Oh, I haven't. Um, did eleven percent on Rotten Tomatoes? It looked bad, but kind of good. Bad. This is more like bad. Bad. This is, um, this is actual full on bad. Bad. Okay, well, let me. You like U Bowl kind of bad. This some of the reviews say that Do it's... people like U Bowl. <laughs> well, I some guess people... if you look at his IMDb ratings, they've gone consistently up. Granted, they started at worst movie of all time, and they've gone up to yeah. just regular bad movie. Yeah. No, but the the reviews are say it's the worst comic book movie of all time. So <laughs> that is not possible. Uh, Catwoman and Electra. That's true. We have a short memory. When I have not to... finished. I could not finish those movies. Like I, I, I had to. I think I walked out of the theater for Electra. It was just that bad. Oh, I never, I never bothered. So good point. Yeah. I actually liked the original Daredevil. I, I mean, it was campy and uh, had huge logic plot holes, but I, it was just so freaking cool. Yes. Yes, I agree. I enjoyed it when it came out. And it had, I mean, it had the, the hammiest villain performance yeah, of all time. That was, okay. I, every time, every time he comes, uh, Colin Farrell comes on, sta- on the, into the frame in that movie, I just giggle. I'm just like, yeah, this is going to be great. It's yeah. going to be wild nonsense. Yeah, exactly. He's hilarious in that one. Yeah. <sighs> I love it. All right, man. So uh, final thought. What? Well, final thought until we uh, talk after we finish recording and figure out what kind of other segments we want to do on this in the future. Listeners, tell us what kind of segments you'd like to hear from us in this podcast. Um, but yeah, so uh, final thought would be maybe something along the lines of, uh, do you think you will watch it? And if you did watch it on a scale of one to 10, what, what do you expect to like it? Uh, I expect to watch it if the, if the reviews are good, uh-huh. um, if it gets over 70%, uh, I'll watch it. I like walking Phoenix. Um, it could be cool. It could have a, it could have a cool vibe. I actually think the medium would be uh, kind of neat if it was a TV series, but um, yeah. I'll take the movie about it. So I'm I'm fairly excited about it and uh, looking forward to um, a potential Star Wars trailer at some point this year. Oh, nice! I forgot about that. Yes, indeed. Um, so on a scale of one to ten, what would you guess you'll like it as? Seven. <laughs> That's same. I was going to say seven because it looks, I don't really watch that kind of movie very much. Like the kind of the tense Martin Scorsese esque films. But when I do, I'm, I'm usually like, yeah, that was nice. I won't watch it again, but speaking of Martin Scorsese, have you heard about the Irishman? Uh, is this a potato joke? No. Martin Scorsese is making a mobster movie. With uh, Joe Pesci and uh, Robert De Niro and um, Al Pacino, right? Okay. Okay. So they – and there's two timelines in the movie. And apparently they've spent a ton of money on CGI to make them look younger for the the previous timeline. And then them as themselves in the current timeline. Huh. 
So it's an interesting concept. Um, Scorsese doesn't do things half-assed, so I'm really yeah. interested to see um, what the results are of, of that. And those are all kind of the most classic uh Goomba types, the most classic mafia movie type people there are, um, yep. all of those guys, but they also yep. haven't really been doing much serious work lately. It's mostly, to my remembrance, it's mostly been kind of cheap comedies and yep. and just kind of easy throwaway stuff for a paycheck. Not not say they, they might really like the scripts, but... Hey, Robert De Niro was hilarious in Stardust. Oh, yeah, dude. he That was his greatest role of his life. I think that so, too. I mean... That is that is a great movie and his performance. The movie by itself is like a like a nine point two out of ten, but his performance just pops it right up to a ten. Like it is, it is an amazing, amazing yeah. performance. Yep. All right. Well, let's wrap. Let's wrap this up. I guess. All right. How do you want to wrap it up? Uh, do, do you want to sing a song? All right. Let's fake wrap it up. And then we'll sing a song, and then I can edit that out if it's terrible. All right. So thank you guys for listening to the Freaking Epic Podcast. This is Zach Harris and... Nathan Farrell. And we wish you adieu. So long, farewell. Goodbye. Don't watch trailers so we can watch them for you, and then you will know what happened. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Talk to you later. This is the outro song. It comes after we've listened along to silliness and triviality and talk about the birds and the bees. Never mind, that's got connotations that I didn't consider when looking for a rhyme. Well, here's the outro song. You can all just sing along in your car or on a run. Whatever you do for fun. Thanks for bringing us along in the shower or on the lawn. Maybe not in the shower after all. Seems like a good way to trip and fall. By which I mean electrocute yourself. Thanks for listening.